Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible study program with teacher Brian Johnston. Thanks for joining me. We start a, a new series today. The title is, It's a Very Good Place to Begin. By that, I mean, if we want to understand something clearly, the beginning is a very good place to start. So, A Very Good Place to Begin is the title of this new series of talks. If we're thinking of God's wonderful good news, and we are in this series, then repentance, by a person wanting to benefit from God's wonderful plan of salvation, is the beginning, uh, according to the Bible. So hence the subject of Brian's talk today, repentance toward God. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. Have you ever watched a large vehicle that has taken the wrong road? It needs to turn around. This can be difficult. It takes skill to reverse and turn something as big as that on narrow roads. The word repentance, as it's used in the Bible, means to turn around. We find it mentioned right at the beginning of Mark's Gospel. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. From those words of Jesus, we see that it's something we need to do before we believe the gospel. We need to repent. An easy or shallow form of believing the gospel without first sincerely and genuinely repenting, will not ensure our salvation from the punishment that our sins deserve. And yet, repenting is something that we humans find so difficult to do. Our pride gets in the way. God intends that we turn around in our thoughts and lives by thinking and acting differently to how we did before. You know, the story is told of a young boy who was proud that his famous dad owned a gun that he kept in the house. But tragically, one day when his dad was depressed, he took his own gun and shot himself. That changed the boy's attitude towards that gun. Before this happened, it was an object of admiration for the young boy. Now he hated it, for it had taken the life of his father. His thoughts after the fatal shooting, were no longer the same as his thoughts had been before the shooting. He now hated that gun because it had taken his precious father's life. Instead of that gun, now think about the sin in your life. Often, before we encounter God, we think it's smart to commit sin, or else we simply take pleasure in it. We are satisfied to please ourselves and go our own way and do our own thing. But then, one day, something happens to make us think differently. We find ourselves beginning to hate the very sin we once took delight in, and so we turn from sin to God. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. This is exactly what the Bible prophet Isaiah says in his 55th chapter. Verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Some people talk about acting in haste and then repenting at leisure. In other words, they do something in a hurry, a rushed decision, and then spend the rest of their life regretting it. But repenting of something is much more than simply having regrets. A thief may regret the fact that he was caught by the policeman. That's not repentance, at least not the whole story. We said earlier that repentance is hard for us. In fact, it's worse than that. It's impossible. The Bible tells us that it's God who grants us repentance. It's God who makes us willing and able to repent. It takes nothing less than a work of God in the heart and mind of a hopeless and helpless sinner who is dead in his or her own sins. The Apostle Paul said as much when giving some pastoral instruction to young Timothy. He said this, 2 Timothy 2, 24, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, skilful in teaching, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Notice, it's God who grants repentance. We spoke earlier about the young man whose attitude towards a certain gun had turned from pride to hatred when it became the instrument that killed his own father. May I ask this? Has there been a time in your life when the sin that you once took pleasure in became a hateful thing in your eyes because you came to view it as the reason why the innocent and sinless Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, had to die in your place. Let's pause now again by that cross of Jesus. Two robbers were crucified beside Jesus on the day that he died. Just like some of the passing crowd, they also cursed Jesus. But one of the two robbers, as he was dying next to Jesus, showed a changed attitude. He admitted that he deserved to die, but Jesus did not. He called on Jesus to remember him, acknowledging Jesus was the promised King and Saviour. Here's how Luke describes the scene in our Bibles, in his Gospel, chapter 23. And when they led Jesus away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, as he was coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Now following him was a large crowd of the people, and of women who were mourning and grieving for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, days are coming when they will say, Blessed are those who cannot bear, and the wombs that have not given birth, and the breasts that have not nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Now two others, who were criminals, were also being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And the people stood by, watching. And even the rulers were sneering at him and saying, He saved others, let him save himself. 
if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also ridiculed him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other responded and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the entire land until the ninth hour, because the sun stopped shining, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And having said this, he died. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, This man was in fact innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, after watching what had happened, began to return home, beating their chests. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Well, that's the story of the robber who turned to Christ in his dying hours. His had been a wretched existence, but he exited from this world to regain consciousness in paradise. He'd repented and believed in Christ and so escaped the fires of torment. As I once heard one young man say in a paraphrase of the apostle, it's better to turn than to burn. A last word then about the repentant thief. Will you take careful notice with me that his place in paradise was neither earned nor deserved? If we were to somewhat fancifully imagine such an undeserving applicant standing at the pearly gate, as it's popularly put, if someone, an angel perhaps, were to try to restrain him from entering with the words, why should you be allowed in here? Then if we think of the crucified robber, here, of all people, was a man who could boast no religious merit of his own, no life spent fasting, praying, attending religious services. But what he could say was simply this, the man who died on the centre cross said, I could enter here.
It's a wonderful hymn. John Newton's hymn that we've just heard reveals the work of conscience when he says, My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins Christ's blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. As usual, let me remind you how you can freely receive a transcript book of all the talks in this series. First, it's available online and you can obtain it by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. That's churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book. Just ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. And you can use email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. Now, email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, that's almost uh, reached the close of today's programme, and I hope you found the study useful. And many thanks again for the pleasure of your company. We do appreciate your interest in these programmes, and I look forward to you joining me again next time for another study. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers, and me, John. So, see you soon again. And meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.